please join with us. Welcome, welcome. We are kicking off a one-month series called Thankful When. And uh, Jason and I have not coordinated this at all, so hopefully I'm not stealing whatever he has planned for next weekend. <laughs> but the idea is that we were both going to come up with some ideas about uh, times that we recognize that we are thankful, or maybe times that we recognize that we should be thankful, uh, and of course move that towards uh, our national celebration of Thanksgiving uh, coming up. And then uh, that same weekend, the weekend following Thanksgiving, is the first weekend of Advent. And so we will begin uh, teaching, singing, thinking towards celebration of Christmas together, uh, December 24th, right here, 6 o'clock p.m. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great season. My topic this morning is I'm thankful when the morning comes. Now, don't misconstrue that to think that that means that I am a morning person. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a morning person at all. Uh, now, I can function as a morning person at times because I have to, right? There's just, sometimes there's just no choices about that. But I tend to be a, a night owl. Um, that's getting harder as well as I get older. Yeah, are you feeling me? Like, uh, maybe there was some wisdom in that whole get up early, eat early, go to bed early feel better the next morning? I don't know. I wouldn't know because I still haven't really like jumped in to try that out, but I hear that it's a possibility that that's a good thing. Uh, so it could be that I'm not a morning person because I'm exhausted. Uh, and, and that's, but it's really not quite that bad. But I'm not a morning person. But there is an acknowledgement in me, especially maybe as I get older, um, especially maybe as in my life, more people who are close to me have, have made their journey across the river into the presence of God. And that's something that begins to happen <clears throat> more frequently and closer to home. I find myself, and I think it is maybe to some degree a gift of age, but if you're, if you're younger... Maybe this is something that you can contemplate and catch hold of in your own life and maybe arrive at sooner than perhaps I did. 
but there's a growing appreciation for simply being each day. Right? That, that the eyes flutter open at some point. And whatever's going on in the world, there's still some sort of equilibrium in the fact that, that there's breath in and breath out. Thought that's making its way through our brains. And then beyond that, to connect that to a deeper understanding and a deeper faith in who God is and what our core belief is about where does that morning come from. And I don't mean just the sunrise, but the breath that we breathe, the eyes that we blink, the thoughts that possess our minds, and the, the spark of life within us that gives us the ability to be alive, to be present, to be in the moment. Um, because we've had kind of a long service, I've got stuff prepared this morning, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, doing what we often will do here, which is take passages of scriptures and and just go right through them and and and, uh, and try to illuminate them as much as possible. We have some a handful of different passages uh, this morning, uh, but uh, I don't want to keep you too long. So I'm going to try and try and keep this kind of succinct and compact. I've got um, five points that I want to draw your attention to, and then some scripture that companions with those, but. Uh, I was reminded of a story about a, a modern uh, theologian, and he became a, a really a hero to some degree in the 1930s and 1940s. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, a German uh, pastor, had a, a difficult life, uh, lots of ups and downs, both professionally, personally, uh, and then as a minister, uh, but he's alive during the time of Hitler and the concentration camps, and the attempts to exterminate the Jewish people. And he actually was involved in one of the plots to try and assassinate Adolf Hitler. And it didn't, it didn't happen. It obviously didn't go through. They were unsuccessful, but they were found out. And Bonhoeffer was taken, along with many others, to one of the concentration camps and interred there. And if you want to go look later, uh, you can read the story of his execution there, uh, which is quite remarkable, the measure and depth of his faith in, in the face of uh, this continuing evil and then even his own personal sacrifice being on the line. It, it's, it's really quite remarkable. But while he was in the camp, he penned a number of letters, a number of uh, pieces on theological thought, on justice, on faith in God when times are difficult. And one of the pieces that he penned was a prayer for the morning. And I've, I think about these sorts of things fairly often. I read the accounts of, of the apostles in the book of Acts being uh, imprisoned repeatedly, uh, not being treated well. And I see the story of them in the midst. I mean, they're, they're sitting, there's one story where they're sitting on the floor of a cell in shackles, they can't move, 
and yet they're moving the hearts of the rest of the prisoners around them because they're lifting their voices to praise God in the midst of their circumstance. And I've had friends who have suffered incredibly difficult, incredibly physically crushing and spiritually crushing events in their lives that from the outside, to me, I guess maybe it's just in my my carnal mind and I'm not thinking about it spiritually. I look at it and I go, I don't know how. In the midst of that, you praise God. But I see it. I know we have friends here, uh, and one of our friends right now is traveling in India. We have many folks who have been to places like Guatemala, um, Africa, South Africa, uh, to, you know, South America, to the eastern Russia, uh, places where poverty is on a scale that we as Americans, for the most part, can't comprehend unless we actually go and see it with our own eyes and experience it among the people. And yet we can also go to all of those places even those that are under severe restriction when it comes to the Christian faith, and find those who have faith in Christ, and in the midst of that incredible suffering and turmoil, they still find a way to have joy and praise God for every day that is given to them. It's one of the things I think that hinders in Western civilization, it hinders our collective ability to to really embrace the message of Christ because we have so much. We sometimes are in a position uh, mentally and maybe even practically where we go, there's not really anything God has that I need. What is it that he offers to me? And so I hope some of these passages this morning will help you. But here's, here's Bonhoeffer's prayer. Oh God, early in the morning I cry to you. Help me to pray. And to concentrate my thoughts on you, I can't do this alone. In me there's darkness, but with you there's light. I'm lonely, but you won't leave me. I'm feeble in heart, but with you there's help. I'm restless, but with you there's peace. In me there's bitterness, but with you there's patience. I don't understand your ways, but you know the way for me. Oh, Heavenly Father, I praise and thank you for the rest in the night. I praise and thank you for this new day. I praise and thank you for all your goodness and faithfulness throughout my life. You have granted me many blessings. Now let me also accept what's hard from your hand. You will lay on me no more than I might bear. You make all things work together for good for your children. Lord Jesus Christ, you were poor and in distress, a captive and forsaken as I am. You know all men's troubles. You abide with me when all men fail me. You remember and seek me. It's your will that I should know you and turn to you. Lord, I hear your call and I follow. Help me. 
O Holy Spirit. Give me faith that will protect me from despair, from passions, and from vice. Give me such love for God and men as will blot out all hatred and bitterness. Give me the hope that will deliver me from fear and faint-heartedness. Amen. Bonhoeffer and the other prisoners would pray this every morning for them. And can you take some of those words and put it in the context of their circumstances? He said, fill me with a great love for my fellow man in the midst of a circumstance where he's watching one of the, the great atrocities of history unfold between humanity before a God. So, let me get into my passions and vices while daily they're spending 15 to 20 hours in hard labor. Where is, where is their time for vice and passion? Where is their energy for vice and passion? But he also says that in the midst of all the sea of humanity that they find themselves, that they are lonely. But they desire the presence of God. I think that's an incredible testimony. And then we try to transfer these kinds of ideas to our own existence. And, and I don't want to diminish anyone's trials or travails or struggles. I don't know uh, many of your personal stories. And so you may have encountered you know, very difficult, terrible things in your life. I understand that. But in relative fashion to something like this, we have a, a fairly easy existence in many ways. Would we have the same desires and passions about Christ that we see reflected in this prayer from these who are in this incredibly uh, disgusting and tormenting and heartbreaking circumstance. And I can only point the fingers at myself and say, sometimes I'm just so cavalier, I'm just so careless about the time that God has given to me. And I want to be more thankful. I want to, uh, I'll share with you a quote from C.S. Lewis here in just a moment that kind of encapsulates that. But let's look at, let's look at some scripture and, and kind of put a foundation underneath of this. And then we'll share some more music together and we'll be done today. So my first, my first point, my first bullet point, if you're taking notes, if you, if you want to do that, is to, to recognize, to embrace the idea that every morning is a miracle of God. Now there are some ways in which living in Alaska where that's easy to figure out. All we have to do is look that way. Right? And we... As we were driving around yesterday, we drove to the valley yesterday. Windstorm wasn't that bad. It was okay. Uh, you know, I don't know if you knew that. There was a high wind warning. It was like 75 mile an hour gust. And we're like, whatever. Because uh, that's what we do here. But, you know, like, all that snow came down. And then the clouds went away. And the sun came out. And I'll tell you what. While it's cold out there today, when you walk out there, at least for me, 
I'm not a winter guy. I've only been here for 50 years and, and still don't like it. Um, but that just floors me every time I walk out the door. And that blanket of snow has come down. And there's all kinds of metaphors about, you know, the newness of the snow and this covering and then underneath the things that are dead and the spring's going to come and they're going to come to life and they're going to resurrect. And I love all that. And just that sparkling like diamonds out there on the mountain sides. And, and, I, and I'm caught up in the majesty of God when I see His creation. And so that's, that's easy. That's part of it. But you are His creation. And every morning that you're alive, every morning that you're awake, every morning that those blood cells are coursing through your veins and those electrons are firing through your brain, synapses and thoughts are occurring and actions are happening and plans are being made, it's just as much a miracle of God as what we see with our eyes and the beauty of creation that we observe. You are a miracle of God. Every morning is a miracle from God. Job 38.12. This is when Job has been uh, through a terrible time. Remember, so we just talked about Bonhoeffer. Job has been through a terrible time that, that we would never wish or want any one of us or our friends to experience. He's had arguments with his friends. They've come and told him that, yeah, maybe you are a bad guy. And this is why God is punishing you because you're, you're a terrible person and you should, you should curse him. And then... Job finally gets to the place where he, he has this big, long, it's not really a conversation, he just sort of word vomits at God about his circumstance. And when he's all done, kind of get the, the idea in the text there that there's this pause. And then sometimes, like maybe we do as parents or with a friend who's, who's being, maybe their perspective is a little skewed, God just gives them a whole bunch of truth. And ultimately, that truth is about himself. And one of the same things that he says to Job is, Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? And it's, these are rhetorical questions, by the way. You know what a rhetorical question is, right? Thank you. Thank you. Um, if you don't get that, talk to me later. Obviously, Job has never set the sun in its, in its course. He's never determined when the day was going to begin. And he was never, uh, he's never told the sun where to come up behind the mountains. But God has. It is God's domain. God is sovereign. And he has set in time and place every morning where that beautiful sun comes up and, and begins to rise over those beautiful tree-douched mountains. Every day is the handiwork of God. Second, mornings are worthy of joy. Now, we've talked about this numerous times. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. You don't necessarily have to be a, a morning person. You don't have to open your eyes and go, man, I'm so happy to be awake. Maybe you're not. But there's an undercurrent that goes underneath of our lives, which allows someone like Bonhoeffer to pen a letter, a, a letter to God like that, that allows men in chains to celebrate God, that allows uh, children and women across the continent of Africa to dance and lift their voices in celebration to God when 
their tomorrow is so much more uncertain than ours, and they're hoping the sun will rise. There is a joy that is underneath of those things that only comes from recognizing who God is and that He is good and that He is for you. Psalm 118, 23 and 24 says, This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And that word glad is not happiness. That word glad is connected to the heart. Which, by the way, is not emotion. It's decision. It's choice. So it's not that I hope I wake up tomorrow and I feel good about the day. It is that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and make a decision that I am joyful it has arrived. Third one. God is willing to meet us and move us every moment. Isaiah 54, 50, verse 4, says it like this. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. That's God, by the way. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Now, that language is a little archaic for us. <coughs> He has given me the tongue of those who are taught, meaning that he has now been transformed as one who has received knowledge and wisdom from God, and now he has been instructed. And then what does he say? Then I can go out and sustain others with those words, because I have been taught. So now I speak as one who has knowledge. It's like uh, going to school, earning a degree, having a job where you get all kinds of on-the-job experience and you gain this knowledge that you didn't have. But now it's been implanted in you, and you can turn around and give that back out to someone else. That's what he's saying here, is that God comes every morning with awareness and movement. And if we will take that in, his knowledge, his instruction to us through the Word, through conversation with other believers, through his Holy Spirit within us, instructing us and teaching us, convicting us and moving us, that we can then take that and turn that out into the world. Because we have received, and now we give back to those who are, what does it say? Weary. I like that. Fourth one, mornings are both small and eternal. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, His anger, God's anger, is but for a moment. What, what does God get angry about? He gets angry about injustice. He gets angry about sin. Which I think is really just a bigger word. Injustice falls underneath it there, right? The, result, the, the, the seed of almost all sin is pride, self-elevation, and the result of almost all sin is to diminish someone else, and that's injustice. And he angers about that. His anger, though, is but for a moment. 
to savor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Mornings are both small because that that cycle described there can really literally be hours in a 24-hour period where things are off track, things are out of kilter, we're out of place in our own lives or in our life with God, and we may sense that for a season, and then often the next day we wake with a new purpose, a new direction, a new decision-making process. And it can also be cosmic, I think. It can be huge, because ultimately if we think of the day or a morning or a night in more philosophical terms, our lives are like a day. Our lives are like the night that is going. But in the morning, when we see him face to face, when we when we move to the land where there is no night, but there is only day because the presence of God and his light permeates everything in the kingdom of God, then joy comes in the morning. And then lastly, and this one comes from Friend Ferris, is he still in here? Is he here? Is he back there? Let's see. He's a harmonica player. Uh, okay. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, gave a message about God convicting us about our righteousness. And we were talking after, and, and he said this to me, and it was profound to me, and it totally went with today. And it is this We may doubt ourselves when the day begins. But he is never in doubt about us. He knows who we are. He knows everything about us. The Bible says he knows my frame, my existence. And still, my friends, he proclaims his love for me over and over and over. The New Testament says that even while we were still enemies toward God, meaning we were fighting with Him, we were rejecting Him, we don't want to live the way that He wants us to live, we don't want to believe the truth that He has communicated to us through His Word and through uh, the history of His presence with, with people on earth, even while we were still like that, it says that God sent His Son, Jesus, who died for us, that we might be saved. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 24 says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope. Every morning, God's mercy towards us, which takes even our, our sometimes rebellion, even our sometimes disobedience, even our sometimes apathy towards Him, His mercy is newly directed at us every single day, and He is all that we need. And He never gives up on us. He is for you. He is with you. 
Now, the practical side of it is that sometimes it's just a struggle. It's just a struggle to acknowledge God's work in our lives, to, to be present with Him, to be mindful of Him. C.S. Lewis says it this way in a book, Mere Christianity. I gave you to read. He says it's like this. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Does that feel familiar? You wake up and, and the list of whatever it is that's on your agenda just starts to go. I love that imagery. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all away. In listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that larger, other, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. And so it goes all day. Standing back from your natural fussings and frettings, coming in out of the wind and into the presence of God. That might be the best description of what I mean when I say, if you're younger, maybe you can tune into this sooner than I did. And listen, friends, sometimes it's a struggle. There have been times in the past month and a half, I know I'm grumpy at home. I know I'm uh, not necessarily present all the time, which is something I'm working on in conversation. My list is long. Sometimes it's just so much. And, and <laughs> Karen came in to say something the other night, uh, and, I, and she's like, I said, I don't have the bandwidth for this right now. Like, my fiber optic cable is full. There's not another little bit or bite of data that's going in there right at this moment. You just got to stop. I need to remember this. Sometimes step back. I love that, that idea. Step out of the wind. The chaos, the hurricane, the storm. Into the peaceful presence of God and just remember, if nothing else, because I think it can set, it can set sort of the, the, the tempo of the day. First thing in the morning, to, to push those fussings, as he calls them, and frettings aside. And remember that this is the day the Lord has made. Let, uh, rejoice and be glad in it because He is good and He is for you. He is with you. Rest in that for a moment and see how it might change the course of the rest of your day. I'll encourage you to get better at that. I'm going to encourage me to get better at that. Embrace those truths of the Word of God that He is with you. He is for you. Chris, come and join me, would you? We're going to sing one song, uh, he and I, together, and then uh, we'll sing some stuff, uh, one more song together as a congregation, and we'll be done today. But thank you so much for being here. Let me pray for us. Father, thank
In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, Jesus, give me Jesus. 